Breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Glitter Boys! We're finally back with another episode of the Glitter Boys. This is NPC. If you have been following us online or Discord or the even the previous little update episode, Matthew is taking a little bit of a break. He had a really bad accident. It's it was pretty bad. And his cars totaled, basically lost his ability to provide. So uh, and he's in a lot of pain. But we're gonna keep moving on with his blessing. I have brought in my my fantastic close friend and frequent podcast collaborator, just Jacob. <laughs> Now, you've probably heard Jacob on this podcast before. He is the one that I, of my friends, I would say, Jacob, you and your Palladium scope tends to be more into the contemporary day. Tends to be more in the contemporary day. I've been all over Palladium growing up, uh, and it tends to be more in the contemporary day. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, After the Bomb, Recon, uh Heroes Unlimited, Beyond the Supernatural, Ninjas and Super Spies, you know, a, a, you know, Systems Failure, mm-hmm. Dead Rain, a little bit more of the contemporary than, yeah. you know, a lot of that. And, and a lot of the more, shall we say, niche lines of Palladium are where my experience and ex- expertise lay, especially mm-hmm. with Recon, which is the nichiest of niche lines. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say that the nichiest of Nietzsche, the nichiest, <laughs> that's probably Nightbane. The, the nichiest would be Palladium's long lost, no one ever talks about it anymore, Valley of the Pharaohs. <laughs> which... If you have a copy of Valley of the Pharaohs, contact just Jacob <laughs> and we will yeah. talk about what I will pay you for that. Yeah, I haven't looked it up in a long time. I don't really know where it would lie on the cost to get a copy. I just know that it's one that whenever I bring it up, people are like, oh, shit, you just dropped a reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just identified yourself as a palladium hipster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Well, today we are going a bit back beyond the contemporary Uh and into uh, the fantasy world, which I've said before many times, Palladium Fantasy is my favorite fantasy game. I, uh, the setting is, is near and dear to my heart. I have a real hard time saying what is my favorite Palladium game? Cause I do love night pains so much, Uh but Palladium Fantasy is, is really high up there as evidenced by this stack of manuals on our table right now (laughs) how many copies of one core book does one man need sir (laughs) well you see uh i have the original palladium fantasy book very first print that still has the the questionable content in the insanities list Uh and then i have a a later printing of it that same book that is sitting in front of you right now that is uh that same black and red cover i love that cover Uh but with the updated insanities. And then I've got the revised version of that same rule set that has the the dragon and the Pegasus. Of course, then we've got a couple of second edition books. I've got the one that got me through high school. <laughs> this, this book right here. Oh, the, the green dragon <laughs> and the Elric looking sorcerer. Got it. Yeah, pretty much Elric and the green dragon cover. And then we've got the 
hardback cover of that that just came out this year, I think. It's pretty solid, literally. And then finally, one of the books that is in my separate shelf of take these first if the building's on fire. Mm -hmm. This is my uh, the the leatherette black and red original cover that just came out last uh, two or three months ago. Folks, when he took this off the shelf, he had to take it out of a protective cover. <laughs> That's how much of a palladium hipster this man is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they've done it yet. If I if they did it, I would know. I want really badly a two-tone leatherette cover of Nightbane. Mm-hmm. Because they could hire Brom to do a brand new custom piece just for that. That would be good in line art. That so would good be good for etching. Line, yeah. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I would just thinking about it. I'm, I got to adjust. <clears throat> it's, oh man. Palladium's covers are so good. Okay. Anyway, yeah. we're not here to talk about their covers, although we could probably do multiple episodes just talking about their covers. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're here to talk about fantasy and specifically Palladium role-playing game. First edition. First edition. Now, dear listener, you have heard me repeatedly say how metal as fuck this game is, and it really is. It's it's basically take AD&D, first edition, apply some metal as fuck house rules, and there you have the Palladium fantasy role-playing mm-hmm. game. With a fair amount of uh, van art. With a fair amount of van art. The art in this book is... I think is some of the best and it's, it's a lot of Symbita art and I love Symbita's fantasy art. Oh yeah. It takes me back to that. Well, it takes me back on a nostalgia trip, mm-hmm. but his, his illustrations and the monsters and animals his his illustrations of things like the long bowman are, are some of, in my opinion, the, the crowning pieces of the entire fantasy line. And they're, yeah. they're simple. they, but but in their simplicity, I feel that they are evocative of what fantasy is to me, which is more of a like when I think of a fantasy setting, my brain is going more towards legend, the film mm-hmm. than it is towards Dungeons and Dragons as it is today with mm-hmm. the dungeon punk and, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's a member of a different species and kind of stuff like I like that that. Hard fantasy. Hard fantasy. Is that that a thing? Hard fantasy? You know, I don't believe that's an official genre, but there's some people would roll that into low fantasy and we can get into a huge argument about the subgenre of the fantasy tropes and literature and all that. But Palladium first edition and even to this day, the, the most recent releases definitely have a lower fantasy vibe to them than like Dungeons and Dragons. Let's, you know, just to mention the 800 pound gorilla in the room, but it's, it's, it definitely has a grittier without necessarily being grim, dark feel to it. And that's one of the things that attracted me to it. That and the picture of the longbowman, which <laughs> NPC and I have probably waxed nostalgic to each other on so many times. It is a frequent subject of conversation when we find ourselves talking about palladium fantasy, which, you know, you talk about palladium usually within the first five minutes of any conversation about palladium that goes beyond somebody making fun of you for your tastes is 
a segue into how awesome palladium art is. Yeah. And then, of course, Longbowman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, in so many ways, some of the most simple art you'll find. But mm-hmm. it's simple, but super effective. Much like the Longbowman glass. Yeah. Simple, but super effective. <laughs> yeah. Simple, super effective. Yeah. Palladium's fantasy line in the first edition was definitely lower on the power scale. Mm-hmm. You had mixes of characters whose their whole thing was I have a sword mm-hmm. and somebody else's whole thing was I can cast one spell a day and it's probably the enchanted cauldron. <laughs> yep. Although there are uh we we learned from our recent playthrough of Palladium Fantasy and Wagon Con oh, when I yeah. ran that that little adventure, which was the Mystic Parcel adventure from the old ones book. When I ran that adventure we quickly learned that the paralysis bolt was OP. OP. I, I don't remember if it's one of the starting spells, but it was definitely one of the spells that I gave that character, not realizing exactly how OP that spell was. It is neither a bolt nor <laughs> simple paralysis. It's more of a ray. <laughs> that... It's more of a cone. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a cone, yeah. and it uh, is more of a stop time than paralysis. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fascinating. Uh, and it's through the paralysis bolt. And uh, our, our, our fellow, who's also been on the show at the very early days, and plays regularly with us in various games, Brandon, that we developed what we call the Tiger Maneuver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That said, the Paralysis Bolt is not the only offender uh, in Palladium Fantasy. It, it, When you look at the first edition, it was obviously the first edition. There's a lot of things in there that are like mentioned and not described. Or when you look in the rules, you're like, oh, oh, wait, oh, my God, that that is there's I'm trying to remember the name. I meant to look it up before I came over. There's one electrical spell, which if you're a knight in armor, just just run (laughs) the moment you see little static sparks on the wizard's fingers. Just run. Yeah. So much of the spirit of the first edition game is i think a perfect encapsulation of what things like the osr today mm-hmm. are all about and that is rulings over rules mm-hmm. so many of the spells are minimalist in description mm-hmm. that you don't have like today even palladium now does this with their spells unfortunately but all role-playing games now, when they start writing rules for magic or something, they tend to go overboard with the list of things you can and can't do with a spell. What frustrates me about that is a spell is supposed to be magical. Uh-huh. It's supposed to have a feeling of power and mystical, you know, that the imagination should come out of it. If your spell has six paragraphs of things you can't do with it, somebody made a poor choice putting that spell in the game in the first place. Right, right. Otherwise, go with the name of the spell and give like a one paragraph description and let the rest come out and play. That's the way I like to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like Tensor's floating disc does what it says on the tin. You know, it's, it's one of those basic ones. You know, and when it comes to spells, I mean, I, I, when I look at the first edition Palladium Fantasy, it almost feels like they were looking at all of the other 
fantasy games on the market and going hold my beer for their <laughs> spell lists because there are more spells in this one book than any single core game I can think of that came out at this time. Yeah, I, I think so. It has the wizard class, mm-hmm. you know, all the spells that they can cast. It's got the warlocks of yeah. which there are four different types based on the four elements mm-hmm. then you've got the psionics which in this edition were basically just treated as spells yep it wasn't until second edition or rifts or whatever that they made psionics a whole different system yeah. and then they've got what the summoner circles and the yeah. diabolists wards and I, I think that's it for the magic's power uh, witches and alchemists well Alchemists are NPCs, so they don't really count. But witches are interesting. They, much like priests, are interesting uh-huh. in that, you know, you'll you'll think of Dungeons and Dragons, which had clerics. Uh-huh. And clerics or priests or whatever, they had their own separate spell line from wizards. Well, in Palladium, it's they all draw from the same evocation spell list. Right. Priests simply cast the spells that the gods know from that list. And witches, again, draw from the same spell list, whatever their demon gives them. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit more to a witch. It's actually one of the, in my opinion, from the early days of Palladium, most under utilized character class uh, occupational character class Mm -hmm. from that just because when you start digging into the rules for the familiar it's metal as fuck it is a metal (laughs) as fuck b opens up some amazing story potential Mm -hmm. and 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 c it people look at it and go oh it's a witch and it's modeled after what christianity thought of witches in the 1600s yada 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 except it's not it's It's not it's so not and yeah um it's a weird blend of the classic witch making a deal with a Mm -hmm. devil or demon plus um, a hedge mage of sorts and it's really cool yeah so stepping back a little bit let's talk about the character classes of this so if you are familiar with Dungeons Dragons first edition, which is what this was clearly based on back in the day, you'll probably expect there to be somebody who fights, somebody who sneaks, somebody who prays, and then somebody who wiggles their fingers and says confusing things and casts magic kind of stuff. Well, again, hold my beer. I got this. Mm -hmm. Palladium has like, what, eight different classes that fight, three or four different classes that are sneaky. Yeah. Uh, including a sneaky class that fights. <laughs> it's got the, the, so the classes list. Okay. Instead of just a fighter, we mm-hmm. have mercenary fighter, soldier, longbowman, knight, paladin, which is different than a knight, ranger, thief, assassin, and then a bunch of optional OCCs, which are, again, one of those things that are highly underrated. Like noble, merchant, peasant something like stuff like that yeah then you've got the magical classes which are oh the magical classes so so you would expect things like the wizard the druid the priest what else do we got well let's see wizard warlock witch diabolist summoner mind mage alchemist and double checking yeah and then you're into the clergy which are priest and priestess (laughs) druid Shaman, healer, 
Yeah. Yeah. There's that's all in the first book, and they're all very interesting, unique classes. Some might say that the knight and the paladin are kind of the paladin is just the knight, but more. Mm-hmm. But again, this was back in the day when you didn't sit down to make a character with your class picked out. You rolled the dice to see what you could qualify for. Oh, yeah. And in Palladium, ultimately, that's what your stats are. They are qualifiers, at least in this edition. You'll, it's extremely rare for any character to have stat bonuses unless they are one of the races that gets more dice for a stat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big difference between the paladin and the knight really breaks down to the difference between uh you know a nobleman in service to a king who's in full plate armor and somebody who's in full plate armor riding a horse that's in service to a church yeah there's there's a lot it, it really models what was going on in the 80s between in first edition advanced dungeons and dragons with the split between the cavalier class and the paladin class yeah and it kind of mirrors that uh i i i feel that after first edition uh palladium fantasy they they did a better job of splitting them apart and making them separate things but yeah one other interesting thing about the Palladium classes that is present in this edition and is still present today, especially in the fantasy classes, is that a large amount of what your class does for you is entirely narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in Dungeons and Dragons, you play a fighter and they're just, um, they go out and fight or you play a wizard and, and they would, they do whatever. In this, you know, by <laughs> the thief character class includes an extensive description of thief guilds and what membership to one and is is uh, is about and what just being a thief and living that lifestyle entails the the paladin of the night include these extensive codes of conduct you are expected to fit a certain niche in society mm-hmm. and those classes come with expectations of background kind of stuff like you don't just roll the dice and i'm a knight it's like you roll the dice okay cool i made a knight now we need to figure out who your patron is. Now we need to figure out what your responsibilities are. Mm-hmm. With the witch, fantastic one. They have so much background stuff that you have to think about. Yeah. You have a list of things that you can do, which are variable. Mm-hmm. Never going to be the same thing twice. But you also have to figure out who you're in service to and what's the annoying familiar that you've got. And, you know, why do you have these powers in the first place? What drew you to this? Are you after revenge? What's what's your goal here? Mm-hmm. Every single class is steeped in narrative expectation. Mm-hmm. And that is the other thing I really liked about it is there's a lot of understanding of the actual historical backgrounds for many of these classes, as it were, like Whoever wrote the Longbowman class fundamentally understood the history of archers in the Middle and Late Middle Ages into the early Renaissance, where it was something you trained as a child to be good at, and it was a very specialist thing. Just like the ranger uh, in 
Palladium Fantasy works a whole lot different than the Ranger in Dungeons and Dragons. You're it's you're not there for what your animal friend is and the fact that you can fight and have no bon- no penalty for dual wielding weapons if we're talking contemporaneously to when the book came out. And you're not like this dual purpose spellcaster. You're actually somebody who's really good at surviving out in the outdoors and your your skills are set to that. And that's one of the advantages with Palladium. Because it came with a robust, if occasional, make your want to pull your hair out skill system. <laughs> it really, really allows for differentiation in classes beyond pure combat ability. Well, let's talk about the skill system for a moment now. Oh, do we? <laughs> well, with I'm assuming that most of our listeners here are pretty heavily familiar with current era Palladium games. That includes Heroes Unlimited, Rifts, Palladium Fantasy 2nd Edition, that kind of stuff. If this is you, then you're probably also familiar with the way that the skills are written. You know, you have a skill, that skill has a paragraph description, and at the end of it, it says base ability X percent plus X percent per level. Skills in Palladium 1st Edition do follow a percentage format, but it is 100% obvious that these skills were inspired by the thief skills from Dungeons & Dragons. Because they're, they're even laid out in those, you get exact increases mm-hmm. each level of the skill. This is the skill that you will have at this level of that skill. It will be exactly this. They have these 15 level breakout charts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it goes beyond the thief skill because there were other products on the market during this time period that were doing similar things with skills and abilities because you know, during this period, you start you started to see a lot more percentile based games show up and the, like anything from iron crown. Right. If we're talking about TSR products, star frontiers, their yeah. entire skill system was, you know, percentile based and all of that. So it, it's, it's going beyond just the thief skills, but it's all over the place. I mean, you have your combat skills in there, but then you have like loads and loads of elect elective skills. The other weird thing about, well, not weird because it's the first. The one big difference with uh, this era of Palladium books, but fantasy in particular, is that the skill progression is not necessarily the same from class to class. No, it's not. It's, it's yeah. radically different. Some classes are numerically superior in every way to other classes. Mm-hmm. It's we, we talked about this in a previous episode and... <laughs> the concept of balance in Palladium. The classes in this game are not leveled out at the beginning at all. They honestly, they weren't in Dungeons and Dragons either. This, this is from the era where this is where it all started, you know, like, like Dungeons and Dragons, their early classes were not balanced at Mm -hmm. all. They were set up in a way that there were expectations of play that would balance it out. You know, the thief was meant, the thief had shitty hit points, but they had these superpowers that let them get through a dungeon and they were meant to be used strategically. And Uh the wizards, it's the same way. The wizards had very limited, awesome power, but they had to be protected by the warriors. Uh Palladium took that and ran with it. 
None of the classes are balanced in any way against each other. Yep. Some are 100% superior to others, even the starting character races. Like, if you're going to play a warrior, why would you play anything other than a troll if all you care about is the math? Mm-hmm. Because in Palladium, there's more than math. There's all of that social expectation. Yep, yep. Really sucks to walk into every village and uh, having the town guard not just turning you away, but calling for reinforcements and wanting to claim a bounty on your hide. Yeah. Yeah. Like, suddenly the posse forms and you haven't even gotten to town yet. Word's just gotten there that you're on the way. <laughs> or anytime you're playing a wolfen and show up and immediately everybody's, he's a scout for the empire. <laughs> yeah. I, it, oh, God. Man. We just keep going off in these random directions here, but whatever. <laughs> Let's roll with it. Yeah. Wolfen are one of the coolest fucking things ever. Speaking to, about them being a metal as fuck fantasy game. Giant wolf people. No, we didn't have, you know, coyotes were pretty cool. Or the coils and hyenas from mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons, whatever. But fucking wolf people. Yeah. Wolf people. This, in, in the 80s and, and 90s, if you could play a wolf man. Mm-hmm. You didn't play anything else. <laughs> you played a wolf man. As a longtime <laughs> player of Werewolf the Apocalypse, I yeah. hang my head with shame for being that stereotype. The Wolfen, I think, were genius. Mm-hmm. They were and still are a fantastic race. Also because they flip over so many expectations that you might have about a beast race. Mm-hmm. Just their their whole empire the the way that they deal with religion their whole pragmatic view on life thing like you keep looking at them and thinking oh these are just these savage hunters they're just beastmen but actually no they're fucking romans <laughs> it's, it's wonderful yeah i mean and there i can get off on a whole tangent on how you know palladium borrowed a fair bit from D's playbook for its what it developed as a game it came back around in D&D, and if you ever want to hear a rant sometime, have invite me on to talk about Talidus and the Minotaur Kingdoms and <laughs> how they literally were practically copying from Palladium's book and coming bringing it back forward. Yeah, it, it the whole fantasy RPG industry, sorry, the whole RPG industry is just one big incestuous backstabbing <laughs> circle of life. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> It although it there's a lot of good friendships there as well. So, you know, it's it's not like the music industry, say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of good friendships there. And I think that there's a lot of good that comes out of that cycle. You know, mm-hmm. that when something comes back in to to make the make the future brighter, I steel mechanics, please. I love stolen mechanics. I mm-hmm. love it when I find a mechanic that's really good in one game and I'm like, man, I hope more people use this. And then yep. later, I'm like, yes, everybody is using it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know what system did it first, but for me, my first exposure to the concept of the usage die mm-hmm. was in Forbidden Lands. Some people say it came first in Black Hack. Maybe. I don't know, but it's a fantastic mechanic and it's one of those where you're like, why have we not been doing this for years? Because custom dice were really expensive to make for a long time? Um. (laughs) No, 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 not custom dice. Just the concept of where you have an item and that item has a die. And every time you use that item, you roll the die to see if it degrades. Oh, yep, yep. Yeah, that. 
it just anyway, tangent, tangent, tangent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other high points of the Palladium Fantasy system is I think they did a lot of interesting things with magic items, even out of the basic book. Uh, it's not in the first edition, but it's in the second edition. There's a sword that you have to have a backgammon dice. Oh, no, that, that's in first edition. I, I that did, is I, literally in that book. It is in the Tombs of City Adventures in the back. Okay. Yeah. And it, I never saw it again in second edition. Mm-hmm. Although I think that hardback version right there mm-hmm. of the second edition, I'm pretty sure that they brought Tombs of City back. I haven't read it, so mm-hmm. I cannot verify if they updated it. I'm guessing they didn't. Just if you ever play that adventure, think very carefully about what bones in your body you value heavily. <laughs> Pinky toe. <laughs> Coccyx. <laughs> oh, man, yes. That that fucking adventure. I, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, metal as fuck fantasy. Metal as fuck. (laughs) Just, uh, okay. Let's talk a little bit about the witch again, though. I want to, I want to get back to that because Mm -hmm. it, it's a character class in first edition, that first edition fantasy. What was this? 1980? Oh, 83. 83. Oh, well, hold on. You got you get the the revised oh, version there. Yep. Let me That's make right. sure. I didn't realize. No, I you're right. Eighty three, nineteen eighty three. Okay. The Satanic Panic was either in full swing or picking up speed. It was at this picking point. up speed. I mean, we were already dealing with a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. going on. So, and in this book, in this book right here, there's no disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Is there one in that version? Uh, let me take a quick look. I am not seeing one. Yeah. Palladium is well known for putting that that copy-paste disclaimer against all bad things at the beginning of their books, but it wasn't present here. Uh, There's just a special note on the title page, uh, just laying out that it's fictional, characters, magic, and monsters portrayed are imaginary, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Uh, Which makes it the, I think, probably smallest... Of all of their disclaimers, yeah, with the yeah. with the largest still belonging to the 1997 Heroes Unlimited printing. So that lack of disclaimer here shows that this was basically before the Satanic Panic, like really took full swing, and everything had that. Now, if you look at something like Palladium, it was considered lower tier. It had lower production values because Kevin liked to keep things cheap, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying that is a bad thing. Mm-hmm lower production values it had less of a name Mm -hmm. you know people dungeons and dragons was a catchy name it was something that picked up and of course palladium had the benefit of not being the book that was found in pat pulling's kids collection yep so palladium slid under that radar i i experienced this myself with one of my best friends at the time he got me, he was one of one of the people who ultimately got me into Palladium. The reason that he could get away with playing Palladium as a minister's son mm-hmm. was because the minister had no idea that it was the same kind of game as Dungeons and Dragons. So you look back at Dungeons and Dragons at the time, and it's got a fuck ton of rules, and ultimately it's actually pretty innocent fun. Mm-hmm. Whereas Palladium 
That's the fucking witch. <laughs> Fifth paragraph. <laughs> the Pax. <laughs> yeah. You you have to bond with a demon who's basically you suck his dick for for magical powers. <laughs> like you sell your soul to to an evil thing. Mm-hmm. It's the satanic panic mm-hmm. had no idea that this was here. Yeah. Yep, yep. Again, metal as fuck fantasy. Metal as fuck fantasy, and they got away with it. Mm-hmm. And that witch got even cooler in second edition. Because oh, yeah. now in second edition, they can get Heroes Unlimited superpowers. Ooh. <laughs> you, did you say Heroes Unlimited? Let me uh, stroke this book over here a little bit more. <laughs> I think that's part of the conversion book, though. But. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, uh, I encountered Palladium Fantasy first edition in the 80s a friend of mine got a got a copy of it and at that time we just made characters it wasn't until let's see when was the first time i ever played fantasy it would have been the early 90s and yeah like very early 91 in fact i can guarantee that it was in 91 and i my first experience of playing palladium fantasy was in a eight player Somebody ran the adventure out of the book. Um, the Oh, dear God. Did you all make level one characters? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, dear God. That's not like a 15th level adventure. Oh, yeah. It was brutal. As, <laughs> it was brutal. Metal yeah. as fuck. You know, we're used to games today having a tutorial adventure in them. Palladium was just like, nah. 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 15th nope. level. I clearly, they clearly were like, oh, you like that Tomb of Horrors? Again, hold my beer. Beer. Yeah. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the core book, right there, 15th level adventure that you still probably will die in. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It, and Palladium Fantasy, I've played it, I've ran it. There's so much goodness there. There's depth. Like, one of the things it did so well in its core book, and it's not a big core book. It's not. It's not. It's not even an inch. I mean, it's thicker than a Dungeons and Dragons core book. Yeah, but it also has the GM section and the player section all in one book. And I think it's just barely smaller than both of the first edition AD&D books, the player's guide and GM's guide, which doesn't give you everything to play because you still don't have the monster manual, Mm -hmm. is just barely taller than this. And that's because they're hardcovers. Yeah. And... You're getting all of your random monsters assortment. They do a real good job of giving you a description of the world that they are offering you to play in, but not binding you to. And it's so, so good in so many ways because you can pick it up and run it. It's it's like begging for an adaptation to run um, uh, the Black Company in. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Grab the Palladium Fantasy main book and Deities and Demigods book, and you are off to the races. You already have your mercenary fighter. You already have your soldier. You already have your um, longbowman. You already have low tier mages built into the system that are perfectly matched to the small time mages that exist in that world it's and yeah it's again it's gritty fantasy mm-hmm. 
Something else that I like about it at the time, it had roll high math. Mm-hmm. Its attack rolls were roll high. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, it was it was so much easier for me as a kid to understand the Dungeons Dragons with its combat tables and Thacko, which I understand Thacko now. I wish it had been explained to me better, mm-hmm. but now I totally get it. It's totally fine. But in the day, it wasn't explained to me well. The book did a terrible job of it, and you know, roll roll high math. That's all you need. It's great. Yep. It, this book has gods, multiple of them with stats. This book has religions based on those gods because the religion and the god are not always the, the same, same thing. thing. <laughs> Frequently very different. This fact, has entire hosts of demons and devils. Mm-hmm. And this was when they were still calling them devils, devils instead of what they later just added a D to it and called them devils. Devils. You've got monsters. You've got races, uh, all the basic races. You've got all these dragons with Kevin's wonderful pictures of them. Levels of elementals, angels, stats on fucking angels, angels. Mm-hmm. I've never seen an angel in a role-playing game, but we got stats here. Mm-hmm. I've seen them in other books, you know, but I've never actually encountered one in a role-playing game. Not once. Fairies, lots and lots of fairies, including some with titties, you know, because mm-hmm. that's something that you're interested in as a kid. <laughs> Can, can While we're talking about the art, can we talk about the maps? The maps are gorgeous. The maps are gorgeous, yeah. and they really hit a clean midpoint between the aesthetic, if you ever look at a copy of a medieval map and a more modern map, where it it has the simplicity of a medieval map, but uh, is has the easy-to-grasp capacity of a modern map and it's just so so nice it's so good so good this is all you need to run this game yep. to play in it and to have many 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 adventures and these uh these these tombs of your city maps <laughs> it has pictures of coins it has breakdowns of currencies it has details on the local uh governments it's got this is a world and a game and a monster manual and a list of spells you know everything you need mm-hmm. to run a game and how much was this when it came out 20 bucks this 20 is a bucks. 20 dollar game that uh, first edition solid game i think and let me just say right now that's 20 dollars for everything at the time 20 dollars would get you a player's handbook for Dungeons and Dragons or a GM screen. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That was routinely priced higher. The, the DMG? The DMG yeah. was routinely priced higher. It was a thicker book. Um, or a monster manual. So, like, each of the parts of Dungeons and Dragons, if you could get it on a discount, was maybe slightly less than an all-in-one fantasy, uh, Palladium fantasy book. In order to have the same amount of scope you would need the player's mm-hmm. handbook dungeon master's guide which honestly the dungeon master's guide is kind of disposable anyway mm-hmm. in my opinion i don't really think it actually added anything worthwhile uh in first edition you yeah. needed it because the only place you were going to get the thaco tables for <laughs> oh shit yeah they yeah. they locked a bunch of stuff behind oh, and, that and the magic items that and was the magic all items. we ever used it for was the magic yeah. items but anyway player's handbook dungeon master's guide 
Monster Manual, Deities and Demigods. Deities. Oh, and Fiend Folio. In order to mm-hmm. get the scope of things that you have oh, in this oh, $120 book. Oh, but you're missing Unearthed Arcana. Otherwise, you won't get the ca- <laughs> Cavalier class or the Assassin class or the, you know. And so, yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of people who will go on and on about Palladium's tendency to overcomplicate things sometimes. But Palladium fantasy in so many ways shows if you strip it down, you can do a lot with it. It's not complicated at all. Right. It is... It is much less complicated, I think, than dun- than Advanced Dungeons and Dragons was. Yeah, I don't need yeah. a Dungeon Master's Guide that includes just shy of six pages on aerial combat and whether a creature has a type A, B, C, or D turning radius. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I will show anyone on the doll anytime where D and advanced Dungeons and dragons first edition hurt me. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Wow. Or yeah, I, I'm just trying to think about the games around the time. We had like role master, right? And oh yeah. I'm just role master was the game. I could never decipher. I could never figure out what books I needed. Yeah. Because I came to it after the fact. So it's like, do I need the law books or wait, wait, do, mm-hmm. I, do I need this book? If I want to fight, do I need the, the combat? Was that, was, was combat just in one book or, or it was, I, I, I can never mean, figure oh, that oh, system out. Oh, you're talking about whether or not you need just arms law or arms law and claw law. Yeah. 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 As someone who played a fair amount of role master, because as much as there's problems with it, the role master Middle-earth role-playing was the literal closest you were going to come to a Middle-earth role-playing game in the 80s. So, you know, yeah. Okay, I think that we have gone on long enough rambling in various directions about Palladium Fantasy First Edition. And why you should play it. And why you should play it. We will, I promise, get to doing a second edition episode. And my hope with the second edition is to actually sit down and highlight the changes mm-hmm. that are coming in and things that you can expect. Second ed uh, really, really upped it towards the Rifts level of complication, which mm-hmm. I'm still, I, I still attest that Rifts ain't that complicated. <laughs> you just need to be good at bookkeeping mm-hmm. is where it is. But I think that the system itself isn't that complicated. It's a very fucking system, uh, simple system. Same with Palladium Fantasy. They just added a few more numbers to things and that's right. really it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, and even in comparison to Rifts, the amount of bookkeeping for Fantasy 2nd Edition is slim, so. So here's here's what I want to close this out with is a request. Kevin, I doubt you're listening to this, but Kevin, do more art. Mm-hmm. We've got all of the slick art in the later books. I want more of your art. Mm-hmm. Because your art is awesome. And it really, in my opinion, in just captures exactly what this game is supposed to be about. So, Kevin, please, more art. More of your art. The The books that I've gotten recently that have had your art in them as we are going through the history with this Glitter Boys podcast. When I look at things that have your stuff in them, when we look at the mechanoids, and I'm like, oh, my God. 
and now we're back to fantasy. And I know that Monster Monsters and Animals is coming up soon. We're going to be talking about that book. And that book is so full of your art, Kevin. More art. Yep, more art, more art. You're, you're worth it. Make it happen. All right. Well, this has been a rambling first episode. What do you think, Jacob? You know, it's... In so many ways, this is very much a love letter for uh, to Palladium Fantasy because it was... I suspect your experience was somewhat similar to mine where I had played Dungeons and Dragons, I had experienced Dungeons and Dragons, and then I saw this. And this did something that spoke to me on a fundamental level as being better. Yeah. The art in it. Like, all, you know, D&D art. I love Mm -hmm. it. I loved all that old art. But there was something simple and yet brutal and evocative Mm -hmm. about the Palladium art that sucked me in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Also, eight stats is better than six. Ooh, them's fighting words. I'm going to die on that hill. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just wait till we get to recon and we're doing talking only three. Yeah, I can deal with three. <laughs> well, Jacob, thank you for joining me on this and the episodes to come. It's, this has been fun. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Listener, again, Matthew is going to be out for a while. Uh, We are hoping he recovers soon and that uh, things start looking up. We have a tip jar system here on our audio host, Pinecast. The tip jar is linked at the bottom of every episode inside the show notes. If you feel like donating anything to his recovery fund, it would be greatly appreciated. We love you forever. We already do love you forever. So now we love you forever plus. If that's the thing, it's probably a level benefit at 15th level of the Paladin. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Just, and if, even if you don't, don't worry about it. If you can't understand, times are weird. Money's tight. However, you're still encouraged to come join us on Discord. Have a chat with us. Talk about your favorite Palladium stuff. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.